0: Welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter. And today we are introducing a new series uh, called Creative First Principles. So I'm really excited about this.
1: Yeah, so our idea will kind of begin with what prompted us to do the series and kind of how we're thinking about it. So the idea of the Creative First Principles is really our attempt to try to sketch out a type of framework or foundation in which all these different kind of creative processes happen so whether you're conscious of it or not right you have a creative process a way that you work And these come in different shapes and sizes, but they all have these kind of common denominators. And so in this series, The Creative First Principles, we're going to try to uh, theorize what are these kind of foundational building blocks that go across different crafts, uh, across different uh, creative processes, but are common. And I think the easiest way is just to say the framework we're going to work with is create, revise, share, and sustain. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be kind of the four pillars that we're going uh, to orientate all the conversations about, and really, hopefully, this will become a point of reference in which our subsequent conversations will uh, will fall somewhere along this structure.
0: Exactly. I feel like they're, the main reason we're doing this is kind of to almost figure out in real time what is this podcast about and this is this series really is like setting the foundation for here's what you can expect for us to talk about we're going to be talking about creating revising sharing your work and sustaining for the long term and we're going to talk about a lot of different things under those umbrellas hopefully if things go well but you know those are the big categories that everything fits into
1: yeah, exactly. So like it's going to be hopefully a point of reference and a point of continuity across episodes when we're talking about a different uh, way to revise or something, a different way to look at your work, right? We can reference this framework uh, and you can have an idea of where we're what we're talking about uh, and how we're even conceptualizing this and it might be open to change, but uh, we really like the create, revise, share Uh, and sustain. And so hopefully this will be kind of a uh, guiding telos for the podcast and something that kind of uh, lays the foundation for whatever conversation we talk can somehow get um, orientated within these frameworks. And so that's the the hope. Today, we're going to talk about the first principle, which is create. And one of the ways that we're going to, I guess, talk about the principle is ask first principle questions
0: of our first principles. Colby, do you want to like Yeah, so each episode we're going to ask what, why, how, where, and when. So today we're going to answer, uh, we're both going to kind of give our thoughts on what is creating, why do we create, how do we create, where do we create, and when do we create. Uh, So that's kind of the big framework, and then we'll ask all those same questions for revising and et cetera.
1: Yeah, so we're suspending our usual uh, kind of framework for episodes, We'll be right back to that when we engage Mm -hmm. uh, some other conversations and questions. So we'll be back to the usual framework. Uh, But for the first principles series, uh, the four-part series, we're going to be asking these questions. Yeah.
0: So can I ask you and kick it off? Let's do it. Uh, The first question, what is creating? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's out there. Uh, Yeah, this one is, what
1: is creating? This question is really, I think we'll find a little bit more distinction in the other principles, but really what we want to do is give some sort of boundaries. What do we consider creating? And this is, uh, this is, as we're conceptualizing it, the invention process. It includes things like finding inspiration or sitting down to generate new ideas, drafting um creating kind of in the broadest sense of something, in my mind, that's not polished. Uh, something that is really trying to tap into creating something new. And so within the kind of boundaries of create is the initial step where you start. You've got a blank page. You've got a blank canvas. You've got uh, an open memory drive. There's there's something that has to happen uh, the beginning is kind of how we're approaching create, so it's pretty broad. Is is that fair, Cole? Is that help? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of self-explanatory <laughs> what is True. creating. But I think those are a couple topics I think we'll come back to.
0: Yeah, I think that it's. I like that we're splitting off revise into its own um, category because it seems like it is a part of the creative process. Like you can't. You ideally shouldn't share your work until you've revised it, you know, unless you're sharing it with someone for feedback. Uh, So I guess, like, there's... I guess all that to say, like, it's good that we have that separation, and I think creating is going to be talking about anything that leads all the way up to the revision point, more or less. You know, like, there is some revision that comes every time you sit down to create in the moment, but big picture, like, we're separating, like, there's this how do you come up with ideas how do you decide which project to start and when do you how do you like face that blank screen and what habits there's a lot of things to talk about habits tools um i don't know just like inspiration and people you've learned from and like i think it'd be great we talked about this a few minutes ago if we have guests on eventually to like ask some of these questions that we're going through it'd be just like really cool to hear you know people who've more experience down the road beyond us. It would be really great to learn from them.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's a good distinction. We're not really thinking about this as just a strictly linear process. You create, and then you revise, and then you share. You're going to toggle, oscillate between creating and revising probably a lot, right? You're moving back and forth between them, but the thing that we're trying to Um, emphasize in making this distinction is that there's a kind of way of thinking that we work in when we're creating, and then we kind of shift that when we move to revising. You kind of put on your editor hat, and you start thinking about, okay, what did I just create? Is it any good? Like, what's it doing? Uh, And and that kind of analytical thinking about your work, that's what we're going to be getting into more about uh, with revision. And we both are huge fans of revision. I'm always talking about revision when I'm teaching. i uh, say writing is revision. Uh, and so there's a lot of conversations about revision that we think the distinction between these, the creative act and then the act of revising, the differences are, I think, productive and worthwhile making the distinction. Uh, but we acknowledge you're going to be moving back and forth between them. So that's just kind of, I don't know, an asterisk on why we made revision its own creative principle.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um, so I think now we need to go into why create. Is that right?
1: Yeah, let's let's move into uh, that question. It's a big one. So we were talking just even before recording. This could be a, a huge, right? We could do a whole series on why create, and there have been books and hundreds of years of thinking about, like, why do we create? What is art? Why do we do it? Um, and so we're not going to exhaust that at all. But I will kind of kind of forward some the immediate uh, response that I'm thinking about too, is that it's a distinctly human thing to create. Um, you don't see squirrels and groundhogs creating art or composing sonnets or um, <laughs> It's a human thing because we're living in a, a world of meaning. And the the world of mean is really how we see the world. We don't merely see the world as a place to be explained, uh, as a place where we deal only in um, material causes and effects, but we live in an interpersonal relationship with others in a world in which we are trying and searching to discover meaning. And one of my favorite philosophers, Roger Scruton, he points out using the work of um, Wilhelm Dilthey about a way of seeing the world that Dilthey calls as Verstehen. And this is seeing the world as a place to be understood and a place to be interpreted. And this is contrasted with the scientific view that looks for explanation. Uh, And I think this is really powerful. When we look at um, a, a painting, you could describe it as a series of pigments placed on a canvas, and you'd be right. It is, if it's an oil painting, right? It's an oil paint that's placed in a very particular way on the canvas. You've explained what it is. But when you look at the picture and you say, oh, well, that's a uh, young lady smiling. There's no smile there. There's no young lady there. But you'd be crazy to say, hey, that's a picture of a young lady. And someone say, no, it's not. It's just oil on a canvas. Right? That would be wild. Uh, but when we see that and we talk about, okay, what kind of smile is that? Is it a, a secretive smile? Is it a uh, exuberant smile? Is it a sad smile? Is it a pensive smile? We engage with this as if... It truly is meaningful, Um, and that is kind of getting at the different way of viewing the world, and just Hmm. as kind of like equally um, meaningful as explaining what it is. And so going back to why we create, uh, we create, I think, in our search for meaning and in our um, trying to articulate even to ourselves what meanings captivate us the emotions that um emotions that we want to explore because we live in a world mm-hmm. uh that isn't just explanation uh, we're we're actively looking for for meaning and we're living in a world of meaning
0: i don't know I, i'll yeah. jump in on that that's cool uh i like that and i think there's a lot of different ways to take this question but some of the things you're sparking some of the ideas you're sparking in my mind are like uh I think one of the reasons I personally create is sort of catharsis, if that's the right word, just I have an experience or a feeling and emotion and it's like, I need a way to almost dramatize this or share this in a packaged up way to make sense of it. It it does come back to that meaning and it kind of connects to something that you alluded to in the the example of the artwork is I think you wanna know what kind of smile she has because you wanna hear the story. Like you wanna know, what happened? So Did she break up with someone? Did she fall in love with someone? Is is her life going well or poorly? What struggles is she fi- facing in the world, in herself, and philosophically? You know, like those meta story concepts, like what is happening here. And so there's, I don't know. That's just the whole idea of storytelling and story. Dude, came I love my that, mind.
1: and I think it connects to like empathy too. It's like mm. she's feeling something that I've felt, uh-huh. like like. Art, I think, is the creative process is part of this broader network of, like, empathy and understanding uh. that I know the I, the subject, because of the you, mm-hmm. right? We're defined in our way, in our relationship to each other. Like, who mm-hmm. I am is only—I'm only this, like, co- this coherent subject in that I can distinguish I from you. Like, mm-hmm. even art's doing that. Like, we, we understand— Ourselves as people and agents and individuals
0: because of the way in which we see meaning in the world. Hmm. And there's also the uh, why create can, I think, on the individual level for me, could also be maybe something like trying to understand my own story in a way, or like writing music or writing songs to make interpret my life in a way and understand what's happening, what are the themes, what's the storyline. And, and there's also the storyline I'm trying to live into, which is like, I want to grow. I want to be better than I was today, tomorrow. And that drive of like growing and expressing and getting better at expressing in itself is another reason that creativity is a bit, is just like a hunger in me is this, I want to get better at it and I want to grow as a person, which is just like, I want to live my life. You know, it's, it's kind of just a part of my desire to live. You oh, know what I mean? Dude,
1: that is so rich. That is so rich. I love that you said, it, like, you are interpreting your life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's for stay You're interpreting. Huh. Like, the sun goes down. You could say the sun set, period. You could talk about, explain it gravitationally, how we're spinning, all those sort of things. But, like, when you look at a sunrise, and you've got to say, like, that's beautiful, what is beauty? Mm. Like you start thinking about your life setting, like the setting sun is like, even like death, mortality, like like all of that act of how you depict the sunset, you are interpreting. You're interpreting your life. You're interpreting what's happening. You're interpreting what beauty is. Uh, you're not just saying what the sun is. And so I love that. I think like why do we create? Because we've got to... We're human beings, right? It's like it's part of. It's inescapable. The question why, the question of interpreting what is my life, who am I? Just like you said, it's like trying to live a life that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the baseline um, philosophical question of what is the good life, but uh-huh. also it's a theo- theological question, right? What does it mean to to live in accordance with, with truth?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. This is good. Uh, so trying to keep us on time here how do you (laughs) there's more that we can go into it really is yeah but how do you create and i feel like it's funny because uh i have to give a shout out to the how you create podcast by my two friends because it just you you uh you can't hear that phrase without thinking about them um but yeah how do you create and what's your process look like could you give me like um first let's just if someone shares this with a friend or someone that doesn't know you what do you do you know, give like a quick overview and then what what does your process look like? Good. Why don't you start, you want to start us off with this one? Sure. I'd love to hear it, yeah. I just asked myself a question. Ask yourself the question, it's perfect. Uh, So I do, I guess like a quick background would be I do music production and that's like my, you know, side project, side hobby, passion. And uh, by day I do marketing and really that's, I love marketing because in in large part, I think because it's so creative, you know, it's like there's copywriting, there's design, there's, uh, storytelling. There's, um, not that I like consider myself super great at that, but there's just so many creative things that I get to do that making websites, like whatever it is, there's so many fun things I get to make all the time that I think that's why I love marketing. But anyways, so those are the crafts that I I'll probably talk the most about. And, um, so for me, I'll probably, I'll just focus on music for now, but, uh, actually, no, I'm going to start with marketing because I think it's easier for me to consider my process there because I don't hold it as tightly for some reason, you know, cause it's like, that's another conversation, but I feel like because I'm paid for marketing, there's just almost a different way that I think about that than the way that I think about music. Cause there's not any payment or, you know, or there's not, I didn't get into it originally, for any other reason but to do it for fun that was why i started music just for fun so um to interpret the world to interpret and to interpret in the <laughs> world. yeah yeah all that stuff but how i guess like it's easier for me to just look at my process at work because you know i have to i have deadlines i have things i need to get done so it's like how do i create this pretty big picture like i love doing research and seeing what other people do and you know stealing ideas and making them my own but I really try to start as much as possible with work, especially doing like a ton of research like if I'm designing a web page or making a design or making an ad or whatever I'm gonna do a lot of digging on quality content and things and then create a bunch of rough drafts and
1: uh, how do you like doing your rough drafts? What does that like look like? let's say you're I don't know maybe you're coming up with a website like how, how do you sketch out a website?
0: I mean, a lot of times it's actually, it's either on my computer in Figma design tool or on paper. Like a lot of times what's funny is I'll be doing stuff on the computer and I just can't, it doesn't really get much better than just like grabbing a a piece of paper because then I feel like if it's a crappy piece of paper, then I'm like, okay, I can throw this away. It doesn't matter. And I feel so much freedom to just like draw a square and then say, this is where the button goes. This is where the text goes. And it's a lot easier to like, um. just very quickly and roughly say like this is what a page is going to look like and there's a freedom that it'll I can change it it's like your like
1: storyboarding almost
0: yes yeah Um. but I like uh starting with a bunch of ideas and inspiration so then I have a ground basically I like having a framework of like this is what great looks like and I'm going to try to get here or maybe it helps me to see like what not to do you know um or it helps me to see how to differentiate if it's like something from competition or whatever. Um, And then, yeah, the rough draft process is very much like making a bunch of ideas and then just throwing away what doesn't work and then keeping what sticks. And that's true in music too. So switching gears over to music, I think for me, it's like getting inspired about an idea. And then that could either be like, there's something in my life I want to make a song about, or it could be, I need to make a song for someone and they give me like two or three songs that they like. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a song like John Mayer and like this specific song. And so then I just have to go and listen to the two or three references they gave me. And then that's my research phase. And then the next phase is like gathering all of my equipment kind of stuff, like finding sounds or, or maybe it's just making like, picking chord progressions or making a melody or making the, putting down some, awful-sounding basic drums that give me a beat, so then I know, like, okay, here's roughly the tempo I'm going to start with, really building from the ground up, and then I can start adding in sounds and adding in sections of the song, and you know what I mean? Like, building it one brick at a time kind of thing. So, But I think early on it's pretty much research followed by lots of rough drafts, and then probably the hardest part is... Going from the rough drafts to the revising to the... So from like revise through this is done. Like that's where things can... I can get the most discouraged and the most like doubting of myself or insecure I think about is this good enough? Is this ready? Um, or just like tired of the project. You know what I mean? Like you just get to a point where you're like I've been working on this song for four months and it's it feels like I'm running in place. Anyways, hopefully that's a good answer. I'll pass it to you now.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think we're going to already have like, just overlap in, in these ideas. And so broad sketch, right? So in a graduate program, so I'm teaching and um, working on my own research and, and, and dissertation sort of things on the horizon. Um, and so for, I guess for this question, how do I create? I'll go about just how would I create, let's just say, a conference paper or, or something that could potentially get uh, published, uh, a scholarly article. I think that's where a lot of my creative energy goes these days. Um, and I love creative writing, and I think that's a it's a really different process for me. Uh, but I'll pick. I'm gonna pick scholarly writing uh, because I feel like I have more of a uh, process for that. Kind of like you said with marketing, I feel like I have more of a process with uh, the thing that I need to do to hit the deadline than my creative project that I'm still trying to understand myself as an artist in that way. Um, Got to start with research. It's, I feel like the, the, the lesson that uh, I've learned in writing any sort of academic paper is, like, the front work is the most difficult part. It's really hard to try to figure out what you're going to argue while you're typing. And so for me, it starts with kind of like you said, it starts with a broad idea But for me, I have to get out like a piece of paper and start sketching out an argument. And so I'll just take an argumentative, you know, arguing for a specific interpretation of something. um, And see, like I use a lot of arrows and draw and say, like conceptually, I try to map out things. What is it going to look like? Without having that scaffolding, it's really hard to write. And I feel like I used to try to write a lot. In a way that was like, uh, you know, un- in undergraduate, and okay, you got to write a research paper. You sit down and you think, like, to write a research paper, you need to start writing. It's like, yeah, but, but no. Like, <laughs> the first part is, like, you have to have a clear direction or you're just going to be spinning your wheels.
0: Do you, uh, when you're visualizing, you got a piece of paper, you're right, what are you, are you drawing like, this is the flow of my argument or this is the outline of my paper. Like what kind of things are you drawing out? That's kind of interesting to me.
1: That's a good, uh, I don't do really detailed outlines. I, I have I met, you know, uh, colleagues who do, but I do outline. And so it's like broad movements of the argument, hmm. like setting up the problem, like the problem, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And like bringing in, okay, context, bio portion, Uh, bringing in the first reading, how that idea transitions. Uh, And one of the things that I really think about is how does it move? Like it's a global concern, which we're going to, you know, I think we'll probably talk about with revision. But Mm -hmm. at the creative part, I'm just trying to get a direction. Like the first step is here's, like, can you get something that you're going to argue? And again, Mm -hmm. the research element's huge. And so for creative projects too, uh, you have to read, and you get inspired by something. And I think we'll probably do an episode on like, Inspiration versus, you know, Jack London said, "You got to go after inspiration with a big stick." Like, like you just got to show up, right? Uh-huh. What's the quote? What, inspiration strikes at nine o'clock every morning. Yeah, yeah. From somebody, uh, and so there's a conversation to be had there, but yeah. it doesn't start. It starts with something else. It always starts with something outside of you, something you're responding hmm. to. I think. Um, That's
0: yeah. I've even heard like, uh, John Bellion, you know, pop songwriter um, artist, producer, he's, he said like, songwriting is like chasing this bolt of lightning, you know, and you're, you're trying, or no, it's like trying to, sorry, catch this bolt of lightning. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, you're, you're just chasing this. A lot of people talk, there's all these different ways that people talk about it, chasing the muse or being inspired by God or whatever. There's like all these different ways that people talk about it, but there is a pretty consistent theme in a lot of creative people I've heard that talk about something that came outside of me. You know what I mean? And then there's this channeling, or it's even like an experience that happened to me that I'm channeling. So that's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah. It's like only God creates out of nothing. <laughs> you right. don't create anything out of nothing. Right. And I think that's like, that's like exactly, a, yeah. a fundamental lesson. And I know we reference, like, Austin Cleon's still, like, an artist all the time. Yeah, but yeah, Because it's so influential. Because that book is about you don't create in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yeah. And so I think, that, you know, going back to how I create, it starts with a response. And I really try to get broad contours. And then I sit down and just, it's like, don't stop writing. Like, just write the thing. Like, mm. a paper I was working on the other day, it was outlined, uh, and I sat down for a couple hours and just wrote just wrote a draft of it. And don't go back I was not going back and fixing things. I was not going back I mean, even to the point of where I won't go back and fix misspelled words. Like I will just I would think as I write this and if you just get something down that's so incomplete, I mean you've done really oftentimes as you get I mean you've done a majority of the work I mean if you get a five page draft of something it's like you've got so much to work with there and then you're not trying to come up with something right it's yes. there you can yes. you can
0: go into revision because you have something there uh-huh that's actually really cool I I think that a lot of times for me it's it is helpful if I'm it's easier to talk about this with something visual for me but like if I'm designing like a some kind of ad campaign, like an image, you know? Um, I think that it's like step one is just after the research and and figuring out the concept or maybe the goal for a campaign, let's say, the next step is really just like throwing up as many ideas as possible, this like generative process where you're you can't judge yourself for it. And then once you have a bunch of stuff on the screen or the page or the um whatever your medium is, then you can like move it around and you can see it. And there's something about the visual side of this all that really interests me because I think, you, or in with sound, it could still be visual in the way that you're working with your DAW and you're like have different tracks and recordings you can see and move around. But uh, yeah, just this idea of like being able to play with things and see them from different perspectives and um, zoom in and out and like map and then just quickly throw stuff away. Sometimes like as soon as it goes from your brain to the page, you can say good or bad and you can like clearly see that. But for me, until I get it out, it's, it's hard to know. And also art is almost this process of like, I have this experience in my head, but how do I get it into a, create a beautiful or a well-packaged like file or deliverable? You know what I mean? Like something tangible that, that, gives other people the same feeling or understanding because that there's a lot just between your head and your fingertips. Like that's the interpretive act process.
1: Like that's the interpretive act, I think. That distance of like there's something that's happened that could be explained. But like like what like where's the meaning there? Like that I love that distance Uh because you have to say, okay, what is this thing? And then the act of creation is like is
0: this it? Yeah. And I think that's the whole Concept is like anyone. Well, it's yeah, it's like anyone can come up with an idea, but you have to, you know, you could say, I, yeah, I had the idea for Amazon or whatever, but it's like you have to execute it. And that's where it becomes this combination of you need a good idea and you need the ability to make it happen. So, like, I could have a great song idea, but there's probably tons of great song ideas that only are going to exactly. ever be heard by me in my head, exactly. which means it's not necessarily great because it, uh, unless I, can um manifest create it you know what i mean like just put it into reality and that's a hard process because like with music specifically it's this whole process of like ah oh, this you know you play your song and then you play like the the radio and you're like ah, oh, this sounds so crappy compared to the ra-. and then you have to learn how to mix and get it closer to that same standard quality uh but it's a discouraging process whenever like I'm working with my friends and we like play a song and then we play the reference track and we're like ah oh, man this sounds so so much quieter or so much just something about it you know a lot of it with music comes back to the mix and just like it doesn't hit as hard it doesn't sound as good or things like that so it's kind of funny
1: dude i love this okay so i think that's a perfect like i think we could say so- <laughs> putting something into reality in like a very real way. Like it becomes like the act of Mm. creating is like making something internal, external. There's some Mm. sort of, it's the actual action, right? It's not just an idea. Your idea has transformed into something that is, and I I don't even want to say real because your ideas are so real, right? But it's something that's like public, even even if it's just on a piece of paper that you hide for the rest of your life. Like there's something about it that's no longer internal.
0: Yes, so we're at um, like thirty minutes, so we probably want to start, you know, transitioning yeah, to the last few questions it. here. Um, there's so much more that we could we could say on that, but yeah. Yeah,
1: and so just like a like a plug, like we'll come back to these, like all of these ideas. We're probably gonna have episodes on these things. Like part of this first principles structure is starting to tease out some of these ideas that we'll probably hopefully spend episodes talking about. Yeah, so if you hear something that you really want to you know investigate or explore, shoot us an email uh and we could you know maybe do an, an episode on that. And uh yeah, we'd love to hear your yeah, feedback on that. Definitely. There's a plug.
0: That's right. Love it. Uh so where do you create? There's probably a couple ways you could take that question too.
1: Yeah. I I think it's a really good question. Like, do you like going to a coffee shop? Do you like being in your house? Uh, I like thinking on things in the shower. <laughs> it's like it's like I feel like the creative process. It's not something that you don't just clock in and clock out. Like I feel like I'm always like mulling over something. So I think a lot of different places. If I think about where I'm writing, I want to be somewhere quiet, and I can't. I wish I could listen to music and write, but I can't. No, like, I, like just no.
0: Even if you're at like, what if you're at a coffee shop? I just I I just
1: write. And just hopefully things kind of recede into the background noise
0: wise. So do you have a, a special spot that you reserve for writing or anything like that?
1: Not really. I like to write outside if it's a nice day. I like it in my office. Okay. There's a place in the library that's really quiet, but yeah, something quiet, like or if it's just ambient noise. but I can't like some people like like throwing the beatles and and write. Like I can't do that.
0: yeah. I don't think I can normally focus on work whenever I'm listening to the lyrics. It has to. I can do instrumental music. But I also think that it does distract it at, at times, unless I'm using music to really drown out some other sound, like another call in the other room or something. So I get that. I think for me, I, I mean, I normally work at my desk um, or, you know, I might, sometimes there's just like sitting down in the same place that I work to do music could be like, make me feel like I'm still working. So it's sometimes nice to switch it up and sit somewhere else or try to just sit on the couch at work and stuff. But I feel like most of the time I either there, kitchen table, putting my stuff, putting the keyboard out or putting out, you know, all the stuff that I need interface laptop, um, just using the kitchen table. And I, I mean, sometimes I'll work on depending on what I'm working on. You know, it's, I do enjoy going to the library or, um, like sometimes just the ritual of going to a coffee shop or something like that can feel like okay I'm dry. It's so true. You get you get this time. It's almost like some excuse to it too because you like get time in the car to think beforehand, and you get to like get a cup of coffee and you get to like read a book. It feels or it just even feels more like um, not dramatic, but just like it feels more inspiring to but like go, go to a place of culture, a place of community where art is on the wall and people are talking and coffee is. There's the art to coffee, you know. People are making really good lattes and there's like this environment of like I'm you know there's a, a, a coder over here and there's a businessman over here Dude, and there's some so good. some women like talking about a class or like whatever the thing is like there's all these different people it is kind of a place for creativity it's like a place for education and learning and conversations and so then you go there and you kind of get this like even if it's just like I think sometimes I just might want to go just because it looks cool or something or because I want to enjoy that culture and community but it's um i think there's something valuable about that for me with i don't do it very often but it's it can be nice to like go out and just see people be seen and create
1: dude i love that
0: like i really it, that like gets me so excited <laughs> makes like, you want to you want to go go to a coffee shop again
1: disclaimer we just came from a coffee shop yes. uh, <laughs> the That's uh right. But the idea of culture, like that is culture. What you're describing at a coffee shop, when people are coming there and it's almost become like um, a place in which you do work or you have conversations, like you go out to coffee with someone to Mm -hmm. get to know them, to interact with them, or you go to coffee, you know, go to a coffee shop because you want to sit down with a new novel that you've been waiting to read. But like there's this kind of like intentionality with a coffee shop that I think is different than like. You don't go there because you're like, I mean, maybe you really want a coffee, but sometimes you're you're not like, oh man, I really need a coffee. You're like, I want to go to the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and coffee is a part of it, and it's like the rational like justification for it. But yeah, you're not going there. You are going there for the coffee, but in a very real way, you're going for something other than the coffee.
0: So I'm listening to this podcast series uh, about Starbucks right now, and Howard Schultz, who is I guess the owner and uh, a chairman or CEO. Uh, but he he says that he's really pioneered what Starbucks has become and you know whether you like Starbucks or not like they've impacted the coffee culture in America or they and they've like popularized this the vibe of a coffee shop and that kind of thing the at ethos least those
1: of the coffee know, shop
0: yeah at least that's really what I'm learning in this podcast I'm listening to and so one of the things that he says in the early days when he's trying to pitch this vision which he got from Italy or somewhere in Europe um when he was visiting and he was you know, sitting in these cafes every day and seeing what we just described, playing out, people meeting and working and just kind of having this daily ritual of connecting with other people and coffee, he said, it's a third place. There's your home and there's your work, but a coffee shop is a third place in between where you do something else. Like you, you can work, but it's normally, you know, there's something different about it. Like you're going there to connect and maybe to create something other than your job or, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I, I love that word, like third place. It's Dude, kind that's of a good. cool concept.
1: And I think, I think too, it's like it's like the difference between watching a movie on your laptop in bed or going to a movie theater. Hmm. Like, it's, it's like a different experience, even if you yeah. watch the same thing. Like, in the movie theater, you go, you've got the popcorn, you're sitting down, you've got the previews, you're in a dark space, you're with other people watching and mm-hmm. experiencing it. And like, you may do both, and you may, like, Different ones for different ways, but there's like something different than uh, than watching it by yourself in your room or something like that. Yeah, Oof. yeah.
0: I've even, I mean, this makes me wonder if there's conversations to be had about like, is it worth, is it worth it for me as a musician, producer, whatever, to like rent out a studio just for the experience of that space? You know, um, I feel like I'll talk about John Belien a lot because I, I just think he's awesome but you know, he talks about like, he's like, I don't need to go to the studio. I can make everything on my laptop, but I go to the studio because I get the experience of inspiration from being in this place for creating. And so I'm just kind of curious, like maybe that's another conversation for later, like is how, how, how much would that impact me? If I haven't really done that, um, I've done some recordings in, some like sort of stu- some studios, quote unquote, but not like a full like paying to rent out like a major studio with this whole orchestral room and vocal booths and like the whole um, you know million dollars of gear. Like, so I just I haven't ever invested in that, and I kind of wonder if I'll you know ever get to a place where I'm like, yeah, no, it's worth paying a hundred dollars an hour to to do this because it's so inspiring to me, kind of thing. I don't know.
1: That's a great question, and I really. Think that this is a meaningful conversation about where you create, and so putting a uh, another potential avenue that we can discover and ask yeah. questions about. Uh, moving from where, the last question: When do you create? So thinking about not only the places that we create, but also the times that we create. Kobe, what what's coming to your mind? What's the first thing that you're
0: thinking about? First thing that came to mind was uh, the book I just read called "Rest." Um, it talks about, uh, really the subtitle is why you get more done when you work less. And, um, one of the things it talked about was this, it has a whole chapter called four hours and it, so this is more of an answer to the question, how long do you work maybe, but still applies. I think there's actually two chapters I'll reference. One was four hours. The other chapter was morning routines. And so he kind of throughout this book goes through throughout history, uh, Talks looks into the lives and the routines of business business leaders, people in the military like Winston Churchill or, um, I'm trying to think of who else, uh, you know, just business people, whatever, like all the different sectors and industries, and he kind of looks at people who are very successful and says, like, okay, what did these people do in their, um, you know, in their creative life, and really what came some high, high level takeaways for me was like one, a lot of people, uh, worked in the morning. Like a lot of people woke up early and did their work first, like their creative work first in the morning. Um, and then a lot of people also, um, kind of say essentially like all I can do is four hours a day, like three to five was kind of the range. And a lot of people said four specifically. Which was really interesting. He cites so many examples of people with, you know, quoting famous people saying, like, yeah, I've got about four good hours of work. And there's kind of a general, like, theme I saw of people waking up early, being creative in the morning. Um, Maybe they're writing or they're researching if they're scientists or they're doing some, like, deep strategic work for a business. And then the afternoon is, like, reserved for maybe a nap or exercise or a long walk or, all the admin work that like doesn't take a lot of brain power, but you got to respond to emails and do spreadsheet stuff. And it's just a lot of stuff you could do like, um, you know, it's just taking out the trash. It's housekeeping stuff. Um, And I think that, you know, that's what other people do. What do I do? Um, I, what's, what's also interesting is I kind of have tracked for a few weeks, my energy levels. And I just like made a spreadsheet of each day and, each hour of the day, I listed out like high energy, medium energy, or low. And I noticed consistently uh, every morning I had high energy. In the afternoons, it was like I had this dip between like I really started tuning into how my body felt every day and realizing, like, man, I am just in this like really low slump from like 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., and or sometimes even 1 to 5 But, like, right after lunch, it's, like, this dip. It's, like, a sugar crash or something. I don't really know, but it's, like, don't make decisions during that time. Don't think about whether you like your song or not. Like, because that's whenever negative thoughts come in or doubts and things. And I just need to not make decisions and not, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of this, like, lack of inspiration and, like, second guessing. Like, should I even be working on this project? I'm so tired of it. But it's, like, well, I'm just tired for the afternoon. So... This is like a really long answer, I feel like. But basically, for me, what's difficult is that because I, you know, have a day job, like so many people, um, music gets relegated to the evenings, you know? Like, most of the time, I don't wake up and do music first thing. Um, I mean, I use headphones when I make music, so it's not like I couldn't wake up and do it, but it's just not my routine. And so I'm normally working on music like a Tuesday night from... 6 to 9 p.m. or a Thursday night or something. And then the occasional Saturday morning I'll get to do music. But I think that that's almost something I've been noticing is like, maybe one of the reasons that it's so hard for me to create sometimes is because I'm just trying to do it when I'm in an energy dip. And that's like, that's a time when I'm gonna be more insecure, more doubtful of my work, more tired and like uninspired. Like all those things are working against me. And I'm, it's also after an eight hour work day so it's kind of interesting. It's like I'm I'm just not setting myself up for success. Like that's just something I've been thinking about lately. Like the best thing for me to do would probably be wake up at 6:30 or 6, work for like 1 hour in the morning and then stop and then not think about it and like let the evenings be for dinner, exercise, meeting friends, doing some, you know, whatever. So know with thoughts on that, that dude, was a long answer. No,
1: dude, that's so good. So many good things. So you inspired me. What was our quote from last episode about waking up an hour early in the morning or something? Or waking up in the morning? I can pull it up.
0: Yeah, it was... Do you want me to read it?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's hit them with it.
0: Uh,
1: if you don't have it. It basically was about getting up oh, intentionally yeah. early to work on the craft.
0: Yeah, we don't need to read it. Okay, cool. That was the gist of the quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, I tried it this week. Okay. And so on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was super tired on Thursday. I didn't get up. Uh, but I got up an hour earlier than I usually do okay. with the intention of working on a creative project that I'm working on hmm. just to try it. And it was great. Really? Like, it was really, really good. Uh, and the, the, the kind of connection here, too, there's so many different connections. But you said it's then it's kind of done and you don't think about it. Hmm. Like, this last week, I worked on the project, and then I was done with it for the day. Mm -hmm. And and if it came up in my head later in the day, I was like, oh, I get to work on that tomorrow morning. Like, I already know when I'm going to pick that thread right back up and continue work on it. Hmm. And it was just, it was really helpful. I am not an early morning riser Mm -hmm. kind of fella. Uh, And so it was kind of, you know, I kind of coaxed myself out of bed to take a shower and try to wake up. But it just became a really great time in the morning. It was quiet. I got some great work done. And then also it helped me come into my other tasks of the day sharper. Which was kind of like an added bonus to it, but I really enjoyed it. I'm going to try to do it again this week uh, and get up early and work on it. And I think if we can kind of string those things together, it's something that Cleon talks about. I know uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld talks about writing jokes. If you write one each day, you mark it and you try to get the chain going. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking about if I can keep this going, this is going to be you know a really powerful you know ka- what was it kaizen? Um, yeah, one percent better. Yeah, every one day. exactly. But it was a great experience. That's cool. If you haven't done that, think about doing it. And I love that you charted your time. I think, I don't know when I work best. The more I'm thinking about it, it's in the morning. Yeah. The evenings are just, you don't want to be, if you've worked all day, you don't want to put a lot of, like heavy mental effort at night. You want to watch Netflix? <laughs> yeah, unless it's late. Like I got. I know. Like Picasso worked until like three in the morning, but he was also like yeah. he could do that, and then he would sleep until like eleven. And huh. You know, it's like you don't we you don't have do other
0: that. yeah other things going on. That's a, that's pretty cool. And I mean, I'm I'm curious because I know there's some people that are really like night owls, and they really do better creative work in the evening. So there's obviously not it's not going to be the same for everyone. But
1: I like to read in the evening. Yeah, that's. I mean, I feel like that's. Yeah, you're still thinking, but you're not. You're not the one generating. I feel like gener- generating takes up bandwidth. Mm-hmm. If I sit down, and I have to write for two hours. It's like, oh, after that, I want to read or I don't want to go work on something else where I have to generate ideas.
0: It's mm. cool. Yeah, there's just something about the mornings that are. There's like the tank is refilled. You know, sleep does wonders. Um, well. We are well past our time Ooh. at this point. <laughs> so maybe we should wrap. Let's do it. This has been great. This has been I'm great. job this.
1: So just last, like, plug on these things. First principles create, and we'll be getting to our uh, second creative first principle revision next episode.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think we can expect to talk about in that one?
1: We're going to talk about moving from the generating creation to revising, how we revise, why we revise, where and when we revise so get ready for some similar questions. Do you revise in the coffee shop? question mark.
0: Love it. I'm excited. Um, yeah, like Carter said earlier, if you uh, I'll go ahead and give our our little plugs at the end here. If you enjoyed this, um, there's like three things you could do to help out. So one would be um, make sure you subscribe to get the new episodes. We don't have a set schedule for this right now, so, subscribe to get notified about that. So you don't miss out. Uh, two would be, uh, if you're willing to share this with a friend who you think would be, you know, interested in this conversation, please share it with them. Send them a link. That's really the, the only way we're going to, or the main way we're going to grow this is just word of mouth. And then three, um, send us like a question or feedback. This is probably the biggest one that I'd love for as many people to do as, as listen. Um, yeah. What'd you think about this episode? What do you think about the framework of first print for first principles? And uh what questions would you like us to go over in episodes to come? How can we make this better? Like, really anything is on the table. Send us an email at heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. Hey podcast at gmail.com. That's G M A I L. <laughs> um, uh, that's all I got. And we'll see you in the next episode. This show is Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at ElizabethIsADesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.